football. I'm Bobby Burton. Hope you guys are having a good Sunday night. Uh, Longhorn fans had a little uh, restful sleep, I think, for the first time in a while. They got uh, what they wanted last night, a dominating 38-6 to win over the Baylor Bears. Rod, you and I were texting. Jerry, you and I were texting today. Uh, it felt right. I mean, it all felt right with the world <laughs> last night. Uh, Longhorns come out on top big. Uh, Rod, uh, you and Jerry, what do y'all think, bud? Uh, it actually felt weird. I remember texting you guys that, you know, it feels kind of strange for the first time in a decade plus, not stressing about the Longhorns on Sunday. I was thinking, like, what is this weird feeling? I was like, Sunday, I usually am by, there's something on Sunday is missing right now. I don't get it. And I realized it was like, because I'm not stressing about Texas football. That's usually like a natural, kind of just a natural level of stress you have. Even on watching NFL games, I'm like, man, damn, what's the Longhorns going to do about this issue or that issue? Damn, they got this this game coming up. Uh, I didn't have that. I didn't have that feeling, and it's been a long time since I've had that carefree Sunday where I don't worry about my Longhorn. So you're right, man. It's uh, you're right. It's interesting. I, it's crazy to be first world issues, first world problems. I, 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 I'm sure ESPN stats and info has something. What's the last time a team uh, fumbled two punts uh, inside what their own thirty? Yeah. And blew out a team. matchups. <laughs> so, yes, things are well. Hey, hey, we can't say things are well all in all of Texas football world. The Cowboys didn't show up today. Uh, at least the Longhorns did their thing. Uh, I'm not the Cowboys like fan, but that was crazy. How did, and the Texas won. The Texas won. <laughs> hey, not only were we going to talk a little. I thought we were going to bypass the Cowboys and go straight to the West Virginia Mountaineers taking down Texas Tech. Ooh. Ooh. We, we didn't I mean, go over all that happened in the Big 12 yesterday. You know uh, Brett still going to be in Austin for that game? I have a feeling something may come up. I, I don't think he's going to be in the president's box of the University of Texas. I'll put it that much. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I do want to say also we're waiting on an announcement tonight at 8 p.m. Central. Uh, Brandon Baker, uh, the nation's top uh, – one of the top offensive tackles in the country, five-star out of Santa Ana Mater Day, makes his decision uh, tonight known uh, at 8 p.m. between Texas, Ohio State, Oregon, uh, as well as Nebraska. Uh, USC was also in the hunt as well as Georgia. Uh, Jerry, give people a preview of that decision real quick, if you would. Yeah, Brandon Baker, uh, five-star offensive tackle, plays right tackle for Modern Day out in Santa Ana. We saw, I saw somebody checking in from Newport Beach. I could not be more jealous, but please tell me you're checking in from Newport Beach every time. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Brandon Baker making his announcement down in Orange County at Santa Ana, um, in Santa Ana, and uh, – I believe that's going to be at 8 p.m. here Central Time, which means it'll be about 8:10 because you know you got to thank everybody and everybody's got to speak and tell you how great he is, and then he'll announce, make his announcement. In this case, that's what should happen. Uh, but look, it, it, it's been an interesting recruitment. Oregon was the big-time leader starting this recruitment. Adrian Clem leaves and goes to the NFL. I think if Adrian Clem was at Oregon, it might be a different story. Uh, but Oregon's had so much, and Dan Lanning, huge win yesterday, obviously. Um, and Oregon's got a strong program, but they've had so much coaching turnover. I think that really hurt Oregon long-term. Baker hasn't been on campus in Eugene since May 20th, so they aren't getting him. Check that one off. Move that on. Um, his June official visits were Texas, Ohio State, and Georgia. Georgia's full in the offensive line. Knocked them out. They're gone. Then he went and visited uh, Nebraska September 16th. 
Um, and, you know, he went into Nebraska, he went to Nebraska in the spring instead of a March unofficial visit to Texas. At the time, I said, oh, that's interesting. But then Baker came back for the spring game and the subsequent June uh, official visit. Um, I think Nebraska is a little too late. Uh, I think they made a run. I think if they're further along in Matt Rule's tenure there at Nebraska and we're winning some games, maybe it would make more sense. It doesn't make sense to me. I think it's coming down to Texas and Ohio State. I, I, I really do. Um, I think it's what's interesting. I think the 2025 uh, running back Jordan Davison out of modern day is Texas, Ohio State, USC. I think Texas, Ohio State are his top two as well. So, um, look, I think if if this goes Texas way, I haven't changed an RPM. 15 to 16 RPMs are for Texas at this point in our industry. Um, Kyle Flood's resume development on the offensive line, I think, is, is a big factor if Texas wins out. Then you have. Christian Jones is a senior at right tackle. That and Brandon Baker can envision a scenario where he can come in and compete right away. Uh, then you have Steve Sarkeesian's two decades worth of relationships um, at, at modern day high. Obviously, his son Brady played his freshman sophomore year there before going to Newport Harbor as a junior and senior. Then you have the uh, Brandon Baker uh, family on the dad side has family in DFW area in Texas. Then on the mom's side, they were related to the Akanas, to Celia, sister who play volleyball for the national champs. Um, uh, JJ, yes, um, from what I hear. Um, so look, if Texas gets Brandon Baker, they had a they had a lot of things going for them. But these recruitments are never easy. Ohio State's put a lot of linemen in the NFL. Um, I, I think I, I think Baker got to a point where he can envision himself playing at a couple different schools. And one thing I've been saying for a while, guys, is who's going to join Texas as the finalist? I, you can announce a final five, you can announce four, whatever. But you really get down and you talk. You're not talking about four schools. You're talking about a couple of schools with the family. Who is going to be that other school? I have a feeling it's Ohio State. All right. Uh, talking with Jerry Hamilton, Rod Babers. This is the Longhorn live stream brought to you the, by the folks over at the Cross Oak Group. Hey, uh, we're going to take uh, questions and answers, talk a little bit about the game last night. Uh, some final thoughts there, as well as look forward uh, to the Longhorns against KU. Talk a little Big 12 football uh, and the national football picture as well. It's interesting now the national football picture actually includes the Longhorns. So that actually becomes a little bit more interesting to the common Longhorn fan. Uh, so we get a little chance to do that uh, as well tonight. Uh, so let, let's get started. Uh, Jerry, you mentioned that uh, that loss uh, that uh, Texas Tech had uh, to West Virginia. They just couldn't move the ball very well against the Mountaineers, apparently losing 20 to 13 to a team. Neil Brown was thought to be dead man walking in Morgantown. Uh, and now Joey McGuire, and I teasingly called him Joey the Mouse McGuire. Uh, <laughs> I, I, look, I'm giving all of the, the Big 12 guys WWE names. That's because that's the new, that's where, that's the conference that is headed by a WWE guy. Um, and so, you know, what what are we thinking is going on in tech right now? They got to be a little bit beside themselves. I haven't seen that. It's supposed to be yeah. much better. I've been traveling today, so I haven't seen Tyler Shook, I believe, got carted off or helped off in the game. I haven't seen anything on that. Man. Hey, it was a rough weekend for quarterbacks in Texas. Connor Weekman at AM's out, too. Ankle injury, I think they're saying x-rays are negative, but if that's a high ankle sprain, that's not good for AM either. 
especially those big bad Arkansas Razorbacks meeting you this was Saturday. Um, but uh, you know, look, I now we're Texas Tech's gonna their quarterback depth just took a hit. If that if I haven't seen a prognosis, maybe somebody in the comment section knows, but that's a really bad loss and a really rough start for Texas Tech. Um, I thought uh, I thought it was interesting. You know, TCU handled, handled SMU a little better than Oklahoma did this weekend, by the way. So uh, TCU and Oklahoma both want to know against the ACC this year, by the way, um, which is and now SMU. So uh, then Iowa State and Oklahoma State. And the, oh, who cares? No. Who cares other than the head coach? That hey, do you see this? Jerry, you see this? Broke his feet up. Yeah, so hmm. there you go. Oh, that dude has been – now, look, you can say – I don't. I hate to see injuries on anybody. That wow. guy has been through more injuries than just about – remember, Rod, I don't think you played with him, but Wayne McGarity at yeah. Texas. I remember Wayne. In the late 90s. He, he was the year before you, I think, right? Yeah, but moved from yeah. running back to wide out, yeah. Yeah, moved from running – he even played a little bit in the league. Yeah, he he literally tore his knee, I think, three times in his career. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I remember kept that. coming back, and yeah. and uh, Shuck was a guy that, in my opinion, was fighting that same kind of thing. Just kept an injury would happen, he'd keep coming back. So I had some, I mean, I had some built-in respect for the guy, right? Um, Jerry, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the SMU uh, game versus uh, TCU. Uh, Kansas was all over BYU. Uh, BYU moved the ball on them. Oh, I, yeah. what, I watched, I went back and uh, I taped that game yesterday and went back and watched it today. Mm -hmm. uh, BYU moved the ball through the air, not on the ground against Kansas, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and then furthermore, Kansas doesn't get a couple of um, turnovers. That game's That's a little right. closer than maybe you might think. They won 38 to 27 driving the ball. So they actually won by two scores. It, it felt a little bit like the Texas Alabama game, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, look, I mean, um, Keaton Slovis, the quarterback at BYU. I mean, I, if BYU and Rice don't play this year with those quarterbacks, something's wrong with college football. Um, they've both been to like four schools now and started, I believe, at the same school. Um, so that's just unfair that, that they don't have to play each other. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, we'll see on Kansas. I, I, we'll see defensively. I know Texas is going to run for more than nine yards against Kansas and Austin this week. I, I, I know that's going to happen. Um I, I I'm I kind of like that line for Texas. I, I think this is the one thing I'll say, Rod. Bobby and I talked about this morning. Is this is not this is just being real? Texas hasn't played a good offense yet. They have not played no. a quality Power Five offense yet to this point. Rice is not. Alabama is not. Wyoming mm -hmm. is not. And Baylor is not. Um, so that's the next big tech test for this defense is playing a legitimate quality power five offense and i do think they'll face that saturday in austin and i'm not i don't think they face a great offense i know oklahoma's averaging 500 yards and kansas is what i just looked that up 20 25th in total yeah. offense in college football but that's against missouri state illinois nevada um and byu uh but i don't i don't think texas is going to face a great offense and i'm talking a washington type offense in the yeah. regular season um but this is going to be the first quality power five offense they face. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Over the next two weeks are going to be interesting, right? Because, you know, Texas defense will be the best defense that these really two quality offenses face. 
Um, but they'll also, they'll also present, as Jerry just mentioned, the best test for the Texas defense that we've seen so far. Um, and I do think I, I love the Kansas offense to me is basically it's kind of the, the greatest hits offense. Uh, Lance Lee Paul is saying it done a great job. It's kind of taken it's an amalgamation of a lot of different concepts throughout the years. And it is it's really unique and it offers a ton of different problems for a defensive coordinator to solve. And that's what Sark offense does. Like Sark's offense, that's as a football theorist, that's how I look at it. It's just, it's five, six different problems I got to solve on every play as a defensive coordinator. And it's really tough to do. Um, Sark's offense is an, an amalgamation. It is a, a gumbo of cheat codes and force multipliers all in one. And you got to figure out how to solve all those problems he's going to present to you on one down. Kansas does something very similar. And just, just talking about schematically, conceptually, that's what they do really well. And Texas defense, now there's a high football, high IQ defense, high football IQ defense. That's the test that I'm looking for, for them to have to solve all these problems on a lot of different levels. Uh, and I think I, not just at the coordinator level calling the plays, but the players themselves are going to solve a lot of problems because that's what Kansas presents to you. They put a lot of players in conflict, all right? They occupy a lot of eyes with eye candy pre-snap and post-snap a lot of misdirection it, it Sark's offense and Kansas offense have a lot of commonalities I'll just say that just from the structure of them uh not necessarily with everything that they do but just in terms of their actual the intent of the offense the goals of the offense uh, you know I'm I'm thinking about this and and y'all are talking about uh you know this this defense and facing the Kansas offense the the line I think is 16. Yeah, it is. Did that tell me that? Did that not surprise y'all? That that kind of shocked me because I'm expecting a one score, two score game uh, between these two game two teams. No, is, is, is that, am I just off on this? No, no, because it can be. Think about it. It can be the, the other than the Baylor game. <laughs> the games have have been close for a while, almost to Lohan fans to to their taste, probably a little too close. And then we see this this thermonuclear kind of this explosion by Texas, right? Of explosivity. We saw it in the Wyoming game. Saw it in the Rice game, even the Bama game. We're talking about six to eight minutes. They scored three touchdowns and they, they blanked their opponent in that time span or their opponent can't keep up and the game's out of reach. It's very much like the Golden State Warriors of old or the Kansas City Chiefs of two or three years ago when, hell man, they the game could be close and then they scored three touchdowns in a you know in, in one quarter and you scored just seven points and you're like damn the game what happened we were in this game what happened Texas has done that in three of the four games pretty much I think that's how I see this game going I see at one point Texas being able to stonewall Kansas defensively for a few drives and then Texas scoring think about how they scored even in the Baylor game we're talking about two play drives and scoring and twice play just boom out of nowhere just big explosive plays I think that's kind of, so I see, I like the line, but I, I'm with you. I see it being close, but then I see Texas five minute span scoring three touchdowns and then everybody going, well, that game's over. Yeah. I think they have the difference between uh, KU and maybe some offenses Texas has played. I think KU has the, the potential to score in bunches too. Very true. Um, they did that against, if you remember the Arkansas, the bowl game last year. Uh, where they, I think, what did they score, 28 points in like 15 minutes or something yeah, like that? they can do it. Crazy. Um, this is the one thing, and this is from UT Boyd, Jerry, and, and Rod, that I totally agree with. 
the Kansas O line is in serious trouble. Yeah. Um, look, <laughs> and I'm not Lance Leopold. I, I told you I went to the Big 12 media days this this year, mm-hmm. and of all the Big 12 coaches, the most impressive to me outside, not including Sark, was Lance Leopold. I told y'all that's at the very minute that he spoke and went through the interview sessions, all of that stuff. Yep. The guy gets football. He's a football coach. You can tell he's no nonsense, but tough, rugged. You, you, you know what I mean? He's just that he's one of those guys. Yep. And he's plain, he's a plain speaker, not a bunch of bull in it. Um, he said that he had a better offensive line this year. He feels like he's now seven deep on the offensive line. Uh, and he was not that uh, his first few years in Lawrence. Uh, so they do bring back, I think, all of their offensive linemen from a year ago. Uh, I would think that they're definitely going to be better than Baylor because Baylor just looked like they had no chance running yeah. outside zone against Texas. That's going to be interesting. Can Texas, because Kansas is going to try to get on the perimeter against Texas, right? Mm, yep. And can, can Kansas beat Texas on the perimeter? Guys like Ethan Burke, Baron Sorrell, big games for those guys. Probably Maurice Blackwell, too. I, I think I think it's interesting. And, you know, I, I've been looking at some of Kansas's opponents. And while you can't look score-to-score, team-to-team, you are getting a feel now four games into the season. They struggle with Nevada more than any other team did. I mean, Nevada's got whipped by a couple of people. Um, you know, that win over Illinois looked good early than Penn State beat them up a lot worse. And then mm-hmm. FAU, Tom Herman's within six points of Illinois yesterday. So, I mean, if you start looking at, at Kansas's schedule right now, BYU, I mean, struggled against Sam Houston, right, in the opener. Scored 14 points. Um, you start looking at Kansas, and, and I respect Kansas. I respect Lee Poles, a coach. I think Jalen Daniels is a very good quarterback. Um, I just – I don't know if defensively – I know the where they're ranked defensively. 21st in total defense right now. I'm not sure they're that good though. I agree. I think I think defensively they have improved. What they what they are trying to achieve defensively is just to not be a liability. And they may have achieved that just to not be a liability. Yeah. Because uh, their offense, as Bobby said, their offense can score. And Lance Lepo knows he can scheme it up. He really can. He can he can scheme up ways to get chunk yardage plays in the score against especially with Jalen Daniels there at the helm. So I, I think for them defensively, I don't know if they've achieved enough to stay in the game and upset Texas. I don't, I'm not saying that, but in terms of what the Kansas goal goals were, their goals were for their, their defense, not to necessarily drag down every other phase of the football team. And right now I don't, I don't think it is. Their defense is making some plays for them. I just think, I agree. I think the lines of scrimmage is where Texas is going to separate here uh, against Kansas. That's, I think skill position wise, Kansas is definitely upgraded. Uh, even with their DBs, and some of their DBs, I, like the I think their Bryant. DBs are good. The Logan kid, the safety yeah. uh, from uh, St. Augustine, Florida, is a really good player. Yeah, I think they got some good players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But lines of scrimmage, yeah. I, I, I do think that's where Texas will separate, and that will maybe to the you, you were talking about Bobby to the line. Maybe that's later in the game after you've worn down Kansas a little bit in games. That's when you pop. A couple of those plays, or where you you find a crack in that in that offensive line in pass protection or in their run block, and you start getting some negative plays. Texas is just so deep. Kansas, they have improved a lot. They're one of my favorite programs to follow. That's crazy to say that. I never thought I'd be saying that out loud, um, but it is. But they just 
they don't have the depth that Texas does on the O-line and D-line. That's the beauty of what Texas is blueprint and their recipe right now to win is that man they they can roll out you know to that you know second third team d line and still not a ton of drop off the old line they now that will be tested on the old line whether you can do that because we've seen it's I obviously had some injuries early on but and you know we can get an update i think christian jones and th- those guys are fine uh did, did, I, did i hear that christian jones basically just threw up is that yeah what, 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 what is that what it was he took one for the entire baylor program and just threw up on the field <laughs> okay i thought that was like conjecture and rumor on twitter i was like people were just saying you just threw up and anyone to go back he's like nah I, I probably shouldn't go back in the game okay that's good then um so, <laughs> That's, I don't think Kansas can hang with the depth of the lines of scrimmage. That'll show itself in the fourth quarter of this matchup, most likely, or second half. All right. Hey, guys, uh, before we get to the rest of the Big 12 slate and, and circle back to more on Kansas as we look forward to next Saturday afternoon, uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsors of the Sunday Night Live Stream. Uh, the Sunday Night Live Stream is brought to you by the good folks at the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications. Uh, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. Uh, good guys there in Austin. Uh, hey, go ahead, Jerry. Rod and Bobby, y'all have watched the game back. Have y'all seen improving Texas offensive line in the run game? DJ Campbell's now made four starts. Even without Cole Hudson out, are we Christian Jones playing at the highest level he has probably in the run game? Are we seeing an improved Texas run game on offensive line? I think so, but I also think Sark's play calling versus Baylor kept that defense so off balance. I mean, hell, even me. I know Sark's offense pretty well. I know him as a play caller. He even kept me off balance. Like I was, I was like, oh, that was a, I was surprised. Didn't think he was going there. And you know, the screen game, he showed so much. Even Bobby talked about it. He didn't have to show some of those things that he showed late in the game. He was just showing off. And I don't know if he was showing off so much as trying to show future opponents how much they need to prepare for. And I think there is an element of trying to essentially inundate your opponent with misinformation uh, and, you know, and, 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 and forcing them to waste inevitably their most valuable resource, which is time because they cannot, they can't prepare for all the concepts and all the, I mean, he, he had 11, 12, six O-line package, big 12 out there, empty formation, 20, he threw 21 out there for, I think he had like one or two plays of it. He didn't even have to do it. He just did it. Cause he was like, I'm showing off. He didn't do that out there. He threw Jay Witt in the backfield as a fullback and throw it to him. Like, whoa, 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 save that. You don't need that right now. What are you doing? He, 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 he had screens to like four, at least four players that I can think of off the top of my head. Really nice, nicely designed screens. Like I said, that I don't know if he needed to break that off the, the Gunner Helm screen. I was like, that you don't need that right now. So, so I'm, I'm thinking he's playing chess now at this point saying, okay, I got a big 12 schedule coming up. I need my opponents to be wasting their valuable time, wasting their valuable resources, trying to decipher, trying to decode every little element of my offense. And will they get some of it right? Yeah, but there's a good chance they'll get most of it wrong. 
because they won't know exactly how I'm going to pinpoint and try to attack them. They'll just spend their time wasting like, oh, man, is it going to be empty formation? Hey, you know what? Quinn Ewers can run now. We got to worry about the, him as a runner. We got to make sure that's an L. Like, I think he's I think he's putting in all of these different uh, little bits of misinformation for the opponent. I think that's what he did a lot of versus Baylor. I, man, I might be thinking too deep into it, too. But that's just my thoughts. I think uh, he was, he was on last night. Yeah. He was on. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of Isaiah Nair comments. I know nothing on Isaiah Nair other than other guys are playing. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not playing much. Uh, Nair did not come in. Casey Kane did. Uh, is running second team there, along with Jonte Cook Jonte. and DeAndre Moore uh, as well, whenever Malik Murphy came in. Uh, hey, I, I have a couple other thoughts here uh, as we're moving forward with that discussion uh, about Sark and what he's doing from a play calling perspective, Rod. Uh, and one of the things that that struck me uh, as far as the offensive line is concerned with what Jerry's talking about and asked, I do think they're better. It's, it's four of the same five guys, right? I I really believe Malik Ogbo is significantly better than Andre wow. Karich at the role he's asked to play. Okay. Karich had short arms for a, for a large person, relatively short arms, right? Yes. You go mass, uh, max protect with Ogbo and Christian Jones on the on the uh, strong side, Rod. You lengthen that line consider, plus DJ Campbell instead of Cole Hudson. Yep. You lengthen the width out there to where those guys have to line up really wide. I I feel like it's not just the run blocking that gets a pump on that. I think it. I think that the the pass blocking uh, in max protect might as well. I, I, I totally agree, Bobby. Look, that you essentially do have three offensive tackles in pass pro. Because Ogbo may not have offensive tackle size anymore now that he lost 40 pounds. But I'm here to tell you, watching those guys in high school and watching them in person at fall, he has the quickest feet of any offensive lineman on the Texas. Malik Ogbo was blessed with foot quickness. Wow. So he has got that foot body quickness to play out there and compete on the edge with the link you, length you talked about. So when they are running out there, they legitimately have three offensive tackle pass protectors out there. Last year with Carrots, they had a guard who had center mm. length, realistically. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. I, I would say – I would add this about Malik Agbo. He's the one that played tight end in seven-on-seven. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> At 345 pounds, by the way, yeah. back, back and, in high school. And I'll so. say this, guys. You know I'm, I'm always big about breaking tendency at the right time, and we know Sark likes, to, likes exotics, right? Double pass. He had another double pass in this game. You know, reverse, double reverse, that kind of stuff. He likes exotics. I remember last year only one time I counted where Andre Carrick actually ran a route. Went out, ran a route. It was a it was a drag route, shallow drag route versus Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken, early on. Go check it out. He actually ran. I think he may have ran a couple of more, but he didn't run routes very often. Of course, he wasn't targeted. Uh, it, it, if Malik Agbo is as his feet are as nice as y'all are saying, I wouldn't doubt, man. One day you see it. One day you see it. it's crazy. It's it, it. They they love this package though. I mean, that first in that first half, it's really what sparked the offense. I mean, the offense was in a lull. They went that 6-0 line package, what they call the Big 12 package, and they had that uh, play-action pass, that 15-yard reception to uh, to my man uh, Xavier Worthy. It was a nice play-action pass, too, where, I mean, it was beautiful. Opened up, deep curl routes, and then right after that, boom, the 40-yard that popped for Jay Brooks. And that was in that 6-0 line package. Yeah, it was right off of Ogbo and Christian Jones' butt to mm -hmm. the outside. 
Yeah. Yep. Gunnar Helm was involved in that too, shielding a guy. Yeah. Hey, we got a lot of comments about Jamon Tap over here. I want to mention Tap as well. Um, the reason I want to mention Tap is we've talked about player development at Texas. Tap and Bledsoe came into the 22 class as very talented top 200 guys in the country. But they were also the two most raw guys technically that signed with Texas in 22 class. Uh, Tap, though, when he's coming in, he's showing some fight. You he has great feet. Anybody that watched his tape knew that. You knew he had good length. Um, I'll never forget being at the Atascacita uh, Summer Creek game, and Mario Cristobal and his offensive line coach were there, and Mario walks up to me and said, hey, that Tap kid committed to Texas. I really like his upside. And I kind of took – was taken aback by that at the time because that was unsolicited. And um, Tap's showing a little something right now, guys. And this is the depth in player development because he's really still next year's the years for him and Bledsoe to really take big steps. But being forced into action now with Chris Ross's injury, Tap's getting out there and competing at a pretty high level. I, I want to say this. Sometimes guys like that get a taste of blood, and that's all they need. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That They're that kind of person where, look, when you put me on the field, I start tasting it. That makes me – Practice harder. That makes me work harder in the weight room, et cetera, et cetera. And he looks like he enjoys playing football. I'll put, yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah. He's, he, he, I don't want to call him a pile hopper because he's not a pile hopper, um, Ron Jerry, but, but he, you oh, can man. tell he's running around like, like it's, no. he's, he's going for it. You got to watch out for those guys, man. Those guys, they get friendly fire. You be standing by the pile. Boom. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Yeah, yeah, C Red was like that, man. C Red coming in, you better watch out. He gonna knock everybody out coming in. <laughs> hey, and tap, taps to tap, taps almost two hundred and seventy pounds too. Oh, he don't so look like he, he doesn't look like it, does he, he? He carries it really well. He does not look like two seventy. Yeah, so I mean that's that's the thing is if that guy's at 270, 275 pounds next year in year three, he becomes a different player for Texas. Yep. Hey, I want to go, go. Let's keep going on this Big 12 stuff. Then we're going to get to questions uh, yep. hopefully quickly. Uh, Iowa State wins the, I don't know what you would call it, bowl. Uh, Iowa State beats Oklahoma State 30. Pricepicks.com bowl? The what? Pricepicks.com bowl? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I hope they make a bowl. U of, U of H uh, beat uh, Sam Houston State pretty handily, pretty easily. Uh, K State uh, holds off a kind of a. a, a Pesky UCF team, I think, is the best way to say it. Uh, and Oklahoma beats uh, uh, Cincinnati uh, and just basically shuts them out on defense. Cincinnati gave Oklahoma all it wanted uh, from its defense. Although I watched that, I watched that game again as well. Uh, the issue there, uh, OU is hitting a bunch of big plays, yep. but they're not they're not picking away at people like they they have in the past, or at least they couldn't against Cincinnati, which I thought was interesting. Well, that is a concern. A little, so I'm being nitpicky. Texas did give up some of the deep balls in the Baylor game. And yes. it was the only thing that Alabama could get against Texas. So I guarantee Dylan Gabriel's thinking, oh, you know what? I might be able to get a couple, some few deep balls against Texas, get my drive, shorten my drives, get to the red zone, score some points. So that is something Texas needs to make sure they sure up. And by the way, Kansas will test it too. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, oh, well, this is the Daniel Kinnaman has a question. How concerned should we be that KU wide receivers <laughs> get behind UTDBs? Yeah, um, um, as, long, as long as Jaden Daniels has time, the team that neutralizes Texas pass rush, especially on the interior, 
is the team that can really have a chance to attack Texas down the field. But then you have to have a quarterback and wideouts to take advantage of it. But that's going to be the key is who can pass pro long enough to let those routes develop. Yep. Agreed. And they can get him on the move too, because obviously he's a dual threat quarterback, so he can keep plays a lot. My, I'm more worried about. I don't think he's gonna have time in the pocket. I do. I think that, that D line is just it's nasty and violent, as Jaron Thompson said in the offseason. I'm more worried about the play breaking down, and then him yeah. scrambling, extending the play, and then whew, downfield. You know, guys in coverage for six to seven seconds. That's actually more my concern about the D ball, not necessarily the structured passing game but they that can hurt him too that can hurt him too i think uh guys i think one player that is going to be key to this week is ethan burke mm-hmm. um because he he just pre- presents a totally different conundrum for people like kansas that want to get outside and have a mobile quarterback because he can chase those guys and D- Jalen daniels is a good athlete he's not quite Jalen milrow from a speed perspective he may be more shifty, uh, but he doesn't have the arm strength. And now he's, he's a more accurate passer and a brighter passer than Jalen Milrow. But he doesn't have the absolute hose that, that Jalen Milrow has. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that Ethan Burke could be a, a big role in, in uh, this weekend's game from the perspective of not letting them get outside and get going on stuff. Remember, Dave Aranda said in the post game that Texas, and he's right, they played their ends real wide in that game versus yeah. Baylor, take away the wide zone. And he said they assumed, all right, we're definitely going to be able to run the ball inside. They couldn't because the Texas defensive tackles were so stout <laughs> and formidable against the run. Um, but I think the trust that going back to Bobby's point, Texas just trusts their ends now. Crazy where we are now. At the beginning of the season, we're like, man, okay, who's going to be the defensive end opposite Baron Terrell? We don't know. That might be a liability for Texas. We'll figure it out. And now Texas trusts those defensive ends to hold up against a team that their identity is the wide zone and the outside zone. They can stop it. So I, I'm with you, but that's a good point that Ethan Burke will play a role, no doubt. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what te- – what I will say this. Kansas used a lot of true fullback and fullbacks as H-backs. A lot can more we talk about this? Can we talk about this? Yeah, okay, this go for can it. I, Okay, just real quick, and I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, rain on people's parade here. But we talked about this on the post-game. We talked about this in the in-game live. You brought it up, uh, Jerry, I believe, and then, Bobby, you talked about it too, that when Baylor went heavy, Texas took Jaday Barron off the field. Okay, now, let's – okay, I'm just – that's one factor. So he took Jaday Barron off the field when it went heavy. So now you're like, okay, well, Texas will take one of their best players off the field when we go heavy. And – we know just Baylor attacked Ryan Watts down the field, both in bump and run coverage and in bail coverage. They went after him. Wyoming went after him a little bit too. Okay. So that's something you can do. Let's just say that's a team that might consider that. And you also, you can attack Texas safeties because that's something that Wyoming did a lot. They attacked those Texas safeties. We see Bama do it too. You could see Kansas decide to go heavy to Bobby's point and present power personnel packages, pivot to play-action pass principles, attack Watts, attack the Texas safeties, because you can manipulate those matchups at that point if they're going to take Jade Barron off the field and rotate those safeties. And then to Jerry's point, when they have Taft in there, nothing against Taft, but he ain't Jalen Catalan, 
and he's not Jaron Thompson, whatever, but you can go after certain guys and you can have checks and audibles ready to go that when you have those players in there with that formation and the right situation, we go, we go. So just throwing it out there. I think for PK, the, the fix would be put your day bearing that corner and safety. <laughs> Honestly, take one of those other guys off the field. He's your best player in the secondary. Put him yeah. at corner or put him at safety when you go 40. Don't take him off the field. No. I'd rather have him out there than any other guy out there in that secondary at, at boundary, field, so corner or safety. Don't matter. There you go. Uh, it's good stuff, Rod. It's good stuff and good conversation. All right. I'm speaking with Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers. Uh, this is the Sunday night live stream. Uh, Sunday night live stream is brought to you by the folks at the Cross Oak Group. Uh, every uh, Sunday night, uh, the Cross Oak Group sponsors us and we appreciate them. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in the state of Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. Uh, with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their sponsorship. All right, going on to more questions. Here's one for you guys. Is from Patrick Smith. Is David Benda playing his way into the NFL? That is a strange question. Um, mm. I, I would say this. He probably would need another year of starting uh, before I would say yes on that. I, I think he's still young. He, he got caught a, on a couple of. Uh, plays early in the season, not the not figuring out the pass coverage. I think he's still a couple – I think he's at least one year away from starting. And he, he potentially does have another year left, guys, because of COVID. That's crazy. He does, though, right? <laughs> it's, I mean, no, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I can't – I can't – I'll say this, and it may be a morph into a different discussion and something we got into earlier talking about – Jerry's talking about the development of, you know, the – the staff now and how that is something Texas can hang its hat on, that they are developing this talent. You can see it real time with certain players. Who, who's the most improved player on the team? Cause I think there are like four or five guys and Bend is definitely on the list as to win the award for the most improved player. But it's because of the development that we're talking about that we can even have this discussion. We usually don't have these discussions right. about, at Texas because <laughs> the development's not, you know, it, it, it's not, it doesn't materialize, right? And so we're not having discussions about most improved players. you got like four or five players that are in that conversation, Benda and Alfred Cobb. Hell, Vernon Broughton. I was going to say Vernon. Ethan, Ethan Burr. Ethan Burr. Yeah, he probably is going to, yeah, Burke and Benda. Christian Jones. How about this one? Quinn Ewers. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> I, the obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, so I, I think there's a bunch, though. Um, Benda, though, here, here's the thing about ben, Benda and Broughton are two different guys, are, are the two that I would point to, though, because you didn't necessarily expect them to step up like they have this year. You right. gave up on I, Yeah. They, you you yeah. kind of thought, eh, will they do it? Burke's still young. Ewers has all the talent in the world, right? Christian Jones has already started a couple of years. Yeah, he showed last year. Yeah, Broughton and, and Bender are the two that maybe you, you didn't think were going to do much. Hey, by the way, uh, it's 7.50 right now, 7.51. Uh, the Longhorns are potentially uh, waiting on a commitment. 
uh, right now from Brandon Baker. He has not announced his decision. Ohio State, Nebraska, Oregon also involved. Kyle Flood, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, recruiting the young offensive lineman out of Santa Ana Modern Day. He announces his decision somewhere around the 8 o'clock uh, time frame. We're going to be here, and we'll have that announcement for you guys after he announces, uh, and we'll be able to talk about that and what that exactly means. Let's move on to some other things uh, that we've got here in questions. Uh, Steve Hernandez, is Darian Gallette still on the team? Is there any updates on his health? Yes, he's still on the team. He played some already this year, uh, and he still also has a knee brace on, or at least he did the last time I saw it. I, I, I like his athleticism from what I'm hearing, uh, and that he's he's a guy that is a learner. It shouldn't be – that shouldn't come as a surprise. His father's a coach, okay? Um, not that that's 100%. You're saying he's a fast boy, learner? Jerry, well, he's, he's a learner. A he's, a, he's a listener. He's coachable, and – they he's a they like what they're getting from him in that regard from what I was told and I'm just that shouldn't come as a surprise because his father is a coach I mean not it's not a hundred percent I was one of the not hundred percent but let's say it's ninety something percent but uh look I mean he already showed uh response to adversity that was a serious knee injury he had and he was out there in the spring he wasn't able to compete um but he was out there just doing everything he could so he's taking his rehab serious which is the first part. But from what I hear, they like his athleticism, but they like how coachable he is. All right. Uh, let's go here uh, from this one. Uh, Mark Wangel, uh, this team needs to work on ball security before they lose a winnable game. They're putting the ball on the per- turf two times a game. Yeah. No, it happened. It happened early on. We saw it in the Bama game. They did it in the Bama game early on. Guys putting the ball on the ground. And if you add drops to that, because I think Sark, when Sark talks about it, he's talking about drops too. Sometimes about balls on the ground. In his mind, he's talking about he's talking about drops by players and fumbles. They got a lot of drops too. And we're talking about the muff, now the muff returns, the muff punt returns. Hell, they had a muff kick return too. I forgot about Keely Robinson. Mm-hmm. He had a muff kick return. So they he recovered it, but they lost the two muff punt returns. Uh yeah, that that's no doubt that's an issue that could cost you a, a game. That could cost you a game, no doubt, in the Big 12. Uh, so yeah, that's something they got to figure out. They've been—I'm gonna say—they've they, made their own luck, but they've been lucky in that regard too. And uh, Quinn Ewers and the offense have been really good about taking care of the football for the most part. Uh, and he hasn't been careless with the football. That's not really in his nature either. I'll give him credit for that. He hasn't ever really thrown the other team the, the football carelessly, uh, even when he was inconsistent. So that's that makes sense. That's not a part of his game now as he's maturing and getting better. The best part about 38-6 at Baylor is they're still coaching points, by the way. Yeah, yeah, we, we agree. We I agree agreed on that last night, Jerry. I totally hey, agree. Hey, hey, but by the way, Rods, I wasn't on the post game last night. How about Texas? Two road games, one procedure penalty in two road games. And that was late in the fourth quarter. It was Jake Majors on a snap infraction. So they played two road games, and they have one pre-snap penalty on offense. Yeah, you're crazy. That, that, yeah. that dog will hunt if you continue that. That's wild. You're right, because they had more at, at, at home <laughs> when, they, when they played it for the home crowd. You know what that does say this team? That's maturity, right? You go on the road. That's your leadership. That's maturity. That's guys knowing they got to focus us against the world. There needs to be a different mentality when you go on the road. We even see that from some really good teams. Utah actually is kind of like that notoriously. 
that at home they're just a you know they play like they are an elite team at home and they go on the road they play some lackluster football in Texas. Uh, this is it. I'm with you. I like that they, they go on the road and they play uh, the focused football on the road. They play their highest level games on the road. That's yeah. It's not right. a lot, it's still have coaching points. That's a great That's a thing point. For me. And by the way, Quinn's played his two best games on the road too, guys. That just needs him to play well at home, but. I have a feeling he's going to play better on the road this year, guys. That's why is that? Why is that? What is it? What Focus pressure? maybe. Lack yeah. less pressure on the road. Less pressure maybe. Yeah. Okay. I think that's part of it. Or it could just be rising to the occasion, and we could be looking way too much into it. Period. Hey, yeah. hey uh, here's here's a uh, super chat, guys, from UT Parking. I love this. I love your username. Um, can Texas scheme to offset DB's lack of speed? Watts, Taffy, Thompson. I feel like that's a big issue as splash plays can cost you a game. Um, what do they do to, to scheme this up other than just get to the quarterback quicker, Rod? Um, you could back the guys up. I mean, Watts got beat once playing uh, bump and run. That was the first deep ball he gave up. The second one, he was playing bail coverage. Uh, but I, uh, I, I think he might have been, you know, peeking in the backfield. You know, who knows? I, I can't tell exactly where his eyes will be. He's playing bell coverage, so he should have been on the upfield shoulder, and he was now on the upfield shoulder. To the to the uh, the, the the chat's point, to the the point they made, you know, maybe he's now on the upfield shoulder because he didn't have the speed to stay on the upfield shoulder, even out of bell coverage. I think that's why you're seeing heavy rotations. I I do think by the end of the season, you know, I'm not saying they're going to make moves, but you're going to see those young guys. If they're getting rotations now in these crucial – we're talking about Bama and Big 12 play, then these younger guys are going to continue to play more. And that goes to safety too. Derek Williams, we saw him play more. I think you're going to see more and more Malik Muhammad. Uh, So I think they're going to try to play some of the younger guys a little bit more. They have more speed. Uh, You talked about it, Jerry, just uh, Derek Williams' footwork, his foot speed and footwork are cornerback-like and not necessarily safety-like. That's the only way to solve it. But football IQ, which I would say Jaron Thompson has a lot of, so does Ryan Watts, so does Taft. Now, that makes you faster on the football field. So I think if their eyes are better in coverage, uh, I think they'll be in the, in the right place a lot better. You go look at that Taft, um, the the safety, the PI call, yeah, was a, I think it was a corner blitz. So the safety actually takes over that position. If he probably gets in better position, um, you know, actually to to play man to man, which he's basically playing on that wide receiver, then maybe he doesn't get the PR call. I think he was I got what they call out of phase and he wasn't in phase. Uh also the same thing I think can be said with you know, you're talking about guys like you know Ryan Watts, who's out of position too. So I, I think there are ways they can they can rectify it and remedy it, but they're also trying with other guys, they're trying to play some of the younger guys who do have that foot speed. Hey Bobby, I know oh, by the way, uh we're three minutes away from Brandon Baker starting his ceremony. Um, but I want to say this because this is just this, this whole discussion got me thinking. And I know we're a third of the way into this season, but this is where recruiting is big and what Texas has done. Ryan Watts has a draftable grade. Manny Muhammad's more talented. Jaron Thompson, the safeties there save Jalen Catalan. The young kids coming are more talented, taller, longer, faster players. So my point on this is sometimes in the discussion like a couple of weeks ago, people are like, oh, Texas is going to be a young team going into the SEC next year with all those guys going to the NFL draft, free agents drafted, whatnot. Yeah, but that doesn't mean some of the guys backing them up aren't going to end up being better next year. I mean, just something to keep in mind. That's what recruiting at a high level does right there. 
Yep. I, I agree with this comment from Buddy Powell. Uh, Derek Williams excites me, but I get why coaches are terrified of playing through freshman safeties for extended periods of time. Safeties can't be wrong. You know what? Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, you know wh which safety got the most snaps yesterday? Mm. Derek Williams. Derek Williams. It's, it's, it's wow. Hey, that, that's crazy. Yeah, if I'm not sure it's 100% correct. I, I'm sure that that's what Pro Football Focus uh, yeah. wrote and uh, uh, clocked. I'm not sure it's 100% correct because I was like, wait a minute. That seems a little bit. But I know we saw extensive a lot. in the second half. He played a, no, he played a lot. I, I did see him play a lot. And maybe because they were blowing him out, they were like, hey, let's do it. Let's go. We got yeah. it. We're beating him. Let's go. Let's see what he got. Uh, Justin Yarmer is asking about a super chat. Justin, I did see your super chat. Um, here it is. Here it is, Jerry. I got it. Yeah. What are Jerry? Are we shocked with DeAndre DeAndre Robinson situation and how do coaching staffs deal with those types of situations? I'm never shocked by anything in recruiting at this point. Um, I, I I do I I do think this is a a, a one strike type of deal though. I mean, look, it, it, where recruiting gets sticky is these coaches expect kids to make visits out of state that are committed to Texas. These schools don't back off. Hell, Texas had DeCorian Moore on campus two weeks ago. He's committed to LSU. They know how the game goes, right? Um, where recruiting gets a little sticky is if kids just aren't up front and they don't tell. It could be their position coach. It could be the head coach. It could be whoever. Senator Baxter last year, there were no secrets. Texas knew he was going to FSU to visit, right? Um, this one, De DeAndre, he didn't tell anybody. And, you know, they, the staff talks to these kids weekly. So he had an opportunity to tell Texas he did not do that. And then he shows up at Florida Saturday night. So, yeah, it's a does that mean Texas is going to lose DeAndre Robinson? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that don't do it again. <laughs> if you're going to go, so if you're going to go back, just be up front. Yeah, is what I'll tell you, because if you do it again, then there's probably going to be some issues. Mm -hmm. Got it. Hey, uh, this we've had a couple variations of this question. This one from Matthew Janik. Who are some players that have really improved their draft stock this season? E. Kim asked a, a similar question. Uh, you know, I look at the entire roster, and I think there's probably two people that have improved it more than anyone. Say That's Andre Sweat and Jade Barron. Oh, I'll go another one. Can I go another one? Can I go add one? JT go. Sanders. JT Sanders? Yeah. Man, I – because right now, I mean, I, I think he was in the conversation to be a top three tight end. I mean, I haven't watched George and Brock Bowers this year. Brock Bowers is amazing. So he's going to be the top tight end take it just for what he's already done. But, and I think JT Sanders might have, at least he's tried to close the gap a little bit. <laughs> he used to be Brock Bowers by, you know, Grand Canyon size gap, the best tight end in the country. And then every other tight end was taking, you know, a, a back seat, way, way back seat. I don't, I think JT Sanders might be, you know, he might be opening some eyes. That he Here's do. the reality of it, Rod, to your point, that one-handed grab he made, Woo. there's a hundred percent chance ESPN uses that pit, that, that play when yeah. he gets drafted. That will be on the highlight reel. I can hear the views. What about Jerry? You have any other guys? I mean, Byron Murphy here's, I'm going to throw out a crazy one to you guys for draft stock. Byron Murphy's a good one. Here's one that you would have never guessed preseason. Jonathan Brooks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. No, never guessed that. And honestly, with the running back, the, the value of the position, it, it, you got he ain't making enough noise, I don't think. You got to make even more noise. Yo, I'm with you. Get drafted, but to get drafted relatively higher, He's got to make more noise, but you're right. I didn't. I didn't expect him to be doing what he's doing right now. He uh, wants that spot. He's, he's tired of y'all talking about CJ Baxter, man. <laughs> y'all still talking about CJ Baxter, man. This is my spot, and I like that attitude. Uh, here's what I'll say. I've had some more DeAndre Robinson questions. I don't know anything other than what I've told you guys. He went to Florida. Texas didn't know. People are asking if he's decommitting. These things take a long time to play out. Um, well, uh, he, let's just see what happens here. Um, um, as far as a guy with – I'm going to go off – I'm going to go a little different. I wonder if Jalen Ford really is. Here's why I wonder about Jalen Ford, guys, is he's playing more physical against the run. Absolutely. Yes. And he is not good. He's great in coverage. Yep. He has two interceptions and could have had three. I mean – as a middle linebacker, four games could have had three picks. But here's the other thing. What Jalen Ford's going to do is when he goes, and and I don't think he's going to blow up the testing part of the combine, but when he goes and sits down and talks with NFL teams, yeah. they're going to – I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears don't say, ah, we drafted this Roshan guy last year, and for the same reasons this Ford guy could go really high. <laughs> No, he strikes me as a Pittsburgh Steeler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jalen Ford is more than what we're seeing on the field. When he goes and sits down with teams, he's going to blow them away, in my opinion. I agree, man. I'm with you. There are certain cultures in, in the NFL he, he would fit. Like I said, Steelers come to mind. But I'm with you. I And he's going out of his way to increase his football IQ. He talks about that all the time. So you're right. That's when he'll, I think, really open some eyes. But he's the best coverage linebacker in the country. In there's no linebacker in the country that drops in the coverage better than Jalen Ford. And he's proven that with the splash plays that he makes. And he just picked up right where he left off last season. He's actually on pace for more interceptions than he had last year, which would be mind-blowing for a linebacker to have those types of plays. Dude. That's, that's So I'm with you. That's a good point, Jay. You're the right, only right. other so guy that actually – I got to say this. Somebody said the Bulls were firing their whole staff. So, I mean, we'll see on that, yeah. Oh, yeah, I will true. say this: the Danny Stutzman guy from OU is really good in coverage too. Is Remember that 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 okay. those those are those RPOs. He he does a good job. He's coached really well to get in those lanes. So uh, watch for him. Uh, that brings me to this one: Freelance Society with a super chat. I think I'm more worried about KU than I am OU. Rod, Jerry, what do y'all think of that? I, I am because it's the next game. First of all, right. you want to be 5-0 and and not 4-1 going into OU. Look, I think this is why we play the games, right? Um, but 
Not me because Texas beat OU 49-0 last year. That's a long time to think about an ass whooping. I mean, and and Oklahoma is an improved team, and it's still a neutral site game, and it's a game that's proved anything can happen. Uh, Kansas is at home. Again, Texas fans are going to be really fired up. I mean, this is a 4-0 team a week out from OU, ranked three in the country, um, 230 game to – um, it's not, I mean, it'll be hot. I'm not, it's not gonna be rice hot though. Right. I mean, and we're getting into the big golf here. I, I really think Oklahoma because of the game last year, those guys are really going to try to have something to prove. And we got to remember Dylan Gabriel didn't play last year. Nope. <clears throat> I mean, so there's a lot to prove for Oklahoma in that game this year. I think it's a motivation game. Yeah, and don't forget, I think the game that Texas played against Kansas last year was Jalen Daniels' first game back, wasn't it? Yes, well, he was injured last year. Yeah, he was off the injury. So he wasn't – that wasn't the Jalen Daniels that was a Heisman front runner to start the season when Kansas was really hot. So that's a great point, Jerry, by Dylan Gabriel. So I know Jalen Daniels, who's already beaten Texas once. Right? He's actually got that on his resume. I, I think for both Kansas and for Oklahoma, there's an argument to be made that both those programs, much for the – the reasons that Jerry just mentioned, <clears throat> but also because Kansas understands what a re- what an upset win over Texas could mean because they understood what it already has meant for the program when they did it once and the momentum they gathered as a program after that. They started that season. Remember, that, that great season they had last year that started really hot as one of the hottest teams in the country, it actually started against Texas in the season four where they pulled the upset win, all right, in Austin. And I think that Lance Sleepoat understands, much like you talked about it, Jerry, that for, for Texas, a win over Alabama could be just as big, if not bigger, than winning a Big 12 title because of the national like notoriety that it would get in the national conversation that it would start. Texas would change the narrative. Lance Leopold is thinking the same way about Texas for Kansas. Yeah, He's thinking like, no, yeah. we can change the narrative. We, beat, we upset this Texas team, then we become the talk of the nation. We become the talk of college football. And so I think there's an argument to be made. He circled it. You know Oklahoma circled it, not only because it's a rival, but I've been embarrassed in that game. I got embarrassed yeah. in that game once. No doubt. I'll admit that. And it, and you think about it. For the entire rest of the offseason, spring football, training camp, first few games of the season, there's no doubt back of your mind you're thinking about that ass whooping that you got in that yeah. game on the biggest stage, the biggest game of the year and you didn't show up, oh, if you got any type of pride, yep. it just it haunts you, and it you can't even sleep. You can't do nothing without thinking about how shameful you feel. And trust me, they're going to come with it. So I'm with you. Next, that's why next two weeks are so pivotal, because you know that this is the John Wick mentality games. They had you circled. They're coming after you. Now you got to go after them. Uh, right, by the way, Brandon Baker's about to announce his decision, Uh-oh. so – um, we'll we'll just keep talking about that. Um, I want to uh, say this real quick. I had, I want to answer this question. I looked it up uh, from Will Butler. Uh, he asked, "Is Ryan Sanborn on track to be a Ray Guy Award finalist?" He's averaging a little over forty-seven yards a kick. That's not as good as uh, a couple other guys around the country. You know, I don't know that he's Michael Dixon. Baker right just now, committed guys. to Texas, guys. Brandon Baker just committed to the Woo! University of Texas. <laughs> Rod, put him up, baby. <laughs> hey. All right. Shout out Matt. to the pancake packing. 
Matt, will you do us a favor? Uh, yeah, shout out to the Pancake Factory. Matt, will you do us a favor and put up uh, Brandon's uh, profile wow. on the screen? I'm um, talking to Matt, our producer behind the scenes. Uh, Baker commits to Texas. It's a big one for the Longhorns. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Over Ohio State, Nebraska, and uh, uh, USC, Georgia, a host of others around the country, including Oregon. Uh, Jerry, this now brings, I think, Texas to 18 commitments or 19? 18 commitments, uh, 16 are counting in the on three team rankings right now. This is a significant recruitment because this is a player rated 96.8. That knocks a three-star out of the rankings for Texas. So I think they'll move up to about 13. Maybe they could get 12. Maybe it's 14. I don't have the exact algorithm there. But I want to say this. Now that he's committed, I can say this. Ohio State was the other team. Um, I've been talking about – who was going to be the team at the end of the day that this would really be bad? Texas would be battling, and it was Ohio State and, and Oregon. I think what really just took Oregon out of this was they just had so much coaching turnover. I mean, he's been on campus at Oregon more than anywhere else, more than USC. His brother played there, and this isn't anything as Dan Lanning. He had another big win yesterday, but there's been so much coaching turnover at Oregon, I, and. I think Texas going to the SEC, along with Kyle Flood's resume of development, was huge here. Uh, I think Brandon Baker likes the idea of playing in the SEC, guys, and now he will be. Um, I think this is huge. Daniel Kinneman likes Baker as much as I like Cruz. Then you like Dan Brandon Baker a hell of a lot. I'll tell you that. Um, I, I, where I like Brandon Baker, guys, I think he's tremendous in pass pro. I, I, modern day is a great coaching staff. This is a guy that's going to be coming in. He's six, four and a half, 303 pounds in June on his official visit to Georgia. This is a guy who's going to be coming in advanced, technically mm -hmm. advanced and mentally advanced from an expectation standpoint um, and, and, being, and being able to handle a workload because the program he's been at. Uh, I, I think it's a huge win for Kyle Flood and those guys. And I'm not sitting here saying he's going to win the right tackle job at Texas as a true freshman, but I am saying with Christian Jones departing, it's easy for a Brandon Baker to look at that situation and say, I can go in and compete for the starting right tackle job. And that's the guy you want. I mean, Cam Williams has never started a game. Cam Williams has upside. But Brandon Baker saying, you know what? You haven't started a game. I have a chance to come in here and compete for the right tackle spot. And those are the guys you want. Just look at Anthony Hill. Look at Malik Muhammad. Look at Cedric Baxter. Look at Kelvin Banks. These are the guys Texas is getting now. They, they think they can come in and compete right away with guys who are probably going to be NFL draft picks older than they are. Yep. I, I look at it and I'm just uh, constantly amazed. I mean, Texas, it, my, my whole take on this is what has Texas done under Steve Sarkeesian in the last three years to just fundamentally change recruiting? Um, because they are getting depth now at a level they never got, uh, except for back when Rod and uh, Andrew yeah. Kelson, those guys were there. And that the aughts, late 90s, early aughts, uh, mid-aughts. Uh, now it's it's totally uh, crazy. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, Jerry, Baker, Brandon Baker's an early enrollee. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I believe he is. Yes, he is. Okay, got it. Wow. Okay. Um, Rod and nice. Jerry, the depth, th this is just, to me, that that's what this is about. And part of what recruiting plays a role in. Rod, your thoughts on on the ability for Steve Sarkeesian to attract these kind of guys. You played for a guy that was one of the best recruiters of all time, Matt oh, Brown. Yeah. I, I mean, 
how is it that this is working to, to Texas advantage so well right now? Yeah, even you know, even though you know, Mac Brown's a different era of recruiting right now. You got transfer portal, you got NIL, so it uh it is a different game, but I still think you're selling you know the same things. I think the guys back then that myself, I'm an old man now, but even the guys today, I still think they want the same things, right? Great players. They they want to play right away because they like Jerry said they believe hey man I'm a great player all right I you know I don't want to sit on the bench I want to contribute right away uh, they want to play with other great players <laughs> iron sharpens iron right they want to play with other great players that's why you want to come in with a great recruiting class you want to come in and you know great wide receivers want to play with great quarterbacks uh, great cornerbacks I want to play with really good D linemen they want to play with other great players they want to play for championships all right so they want to win <laughs> playing for championships. And they want to go to the league. Yeah, to go to the league. Now you got to add nil to that. So so that's there's a fifth thing, right? And they want to make some nil. I want to make nil money too. I just didn't know what it was. All right. Now, <laughs> right? I, I, wanted that, yeah, I wanted some money. Yeah, that, you know. But yeah, so point, I, I always bring up. Hey, the old timers, Rod, TJ Ford. I, I'm always going to bring this back. TJ Ford will always call me out on this in recruiting. Jerry, our number one goal is still to hear our name call on the draft night. Amen, brother. That's the dream. And if Baker believes Kyle Flood is the best guy to get him there, and I yep. think that was huge in this recruitment. You got to sell that. You got to sell that to the guys. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Uh, big big news for the Longhorns. Uh, commitment number 18 for Texas on the recruiting campaign. Five-star offensive tackle Brandon Baker commits to Texas over uh, Nebraska, Ohio State, USC, Oregon, uh, Georgia. The list goes on and on. Uh this is a this is just continuing, a, you know. The, pinch me a little bit if the good news stops, right? <laughs> because uh, the the Longhorns went into Alabama two weeks ago and beat the Crimson Tide. Uh, they dominate Baylor last night. Uh, they're four and zero for the first time since I, you know, it's been a decade. Uh, they are looking like as good a team as they've had, just like we predicted. Back in the offseason. I mean, remember, guys, all of us were very high on this team coming into the season. I hadn't been this high on a Texas team since, I think, 09. 09. Yeah. And so, you know, my thought process on this is I, I just want, I don't want to wake up. <laughs> I want to keep, <laughs> keep living the dream, keep adding recruits, keep winning games by dominating Baylor on their. I mean, how's that for a goodbye to Baylor, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a pity. You almost throw pity for Baylor. That's at one point I, I saw that I was like, "Damn, I'm feeling pity, pity for Baylor a little bit." But uh, that's how bad Texas was beating up on them. And I'm with you, man. That was a 500 yards of total offense, and the defense just suffocated Baylor. They couldn't do anything. They really couldn't. They put up barely, barely put up a fight. Uh, yeah. I want to mention something. We've had some questions on Baker, DeAndre Carter, uh, four-star offensive guard from Modern Day. Auburn, he's scheduled to come in this weekend. Nothing's changed. Still scheduled to be making an official visit to Texas this weekend. I think Texas leads for Jordan Davis in the 2025 running back. Well, I had Rod watch on Talking Ball. Uh, and then I think they lead for Marcus Harris, the wide receiver of the 2025 out of modern day. Top, both top 50 guys in the country. Um, look, Dang. Spencer Shannon last year, Brandon Baker this year. Modern day is the most talented program in the country right now. Wow. And there are two schools that Sark's going to always want to have a footprint in. In Southern California, it's Modern Day, and it's St. John Bosco. DeAndre Moore last year at St. John Bosco. Spencer Shannon at Modern Day, now Baker this year. Nice. Hey, uh, 
Rod, this one is is a little bit more off off of uh, the uh, recruiting spectrum and back into the t- uh, the uh, uh, football team conversation. Bobby Vitronic, uh, the TE right tight end RPO game was a nice revelation. Mm-hmm. Agree on Helms. Uh, a little bit yeah. more on that because you you mentioned that, and I think that's why Bobby's mentioning that here. What were your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but and also they opened up the screen game for Helms too, which I thought was really cool. I think that uh, was a 15 yarder that he got. It was like a, a nice screen that he had to him. They they're now. I remember last season, Hunt Helm was barely a, a a threat in the passing game when they would throw it, and now I think he has multiple games now where they've actually utilized him, giving him multiple targets in the passing game. I think it's really good because it just forces defenses to have to worry and have to allocate resources uh to, to stop gunner helm when now i gotta worry about jt sanders you gotta roll coverage or put somebody over him having a linebacker on jt sanders uh, you know that's a bad matchup so you got to make sure it's a safety on him most of the time and then your best coverage safety and even that is not a guarantee uh so that tight end rpo game you're right man now it's becoming deadly and i could do it out of 12 personnel texas loves to throw out a one back two tight ends because teams are all they're almost overly focused on stopping the run, and then you get isolated one-on-one matchups with your tight ends. Oh, it's a beautiful and it usually on safeties and linebackers because they'll take their their uh, nickel back off the field. They'll take their Jade Barron off the field, and you you know you want your nickel back pretty much matched up on JT. But if they don't, you get them you give them basically it's it's, it's pick your own poison, right? If they don't take the nickel back off the field, well we're gonna make that that nickel back that DB. Uh, be a run defender and now he's got to match up with JT Sanders or an offensive lineman or another tight end in the run game so it really is uh, right now I'm with you that tight end RPO game is great and also you're gonna look at what they're doing now now with JT Sanders when they put him on the move a lot in terms of targets and motion he is as deadly as probably any tight end in the country I don't know if Brock Bowers moves around as much as JT does I don't think any tight end does all right. Hey, guys, I, Jerry, I've got a bunch of questions coming for yeah, you. Yeah, I can tell you that. Okay, number that one, was, bait, was and this is from uh, Jerry King, was Baker a silent commit? If you're asking if he was one of the highs out there, no, he's not. There's more to come. <laughs> All right. Nice. Next one. Uh, here we go. Quick. Uh, Texas moves up to number 11 in the recruiting yeah. class rankings. That's from Justin Yarbrough. Hey, hey, let me explain that, Bobby, real quick. So – they moved up from 16 to 11 with one five-star commitment, right? Kobe Black, Ryan Wingo still out there. Texas leads for Kobe Black. I think Texas leads for Ryan Wingo. So when we're sitting here talking about can Texas have three straight top five classes, and I said it's all it's going to come down to the five stars because some of the guys ranked for or some of the guys in Texas class committed, they're going to move up the rankings. You've seen that with two or three guys. More guys will move up the rankings at senior year stuff. Then Texas will also add some pieces on five-star guys in this class, but if Texas were to hit on those other two five stars, I think they're going to have a third straight top five class for those that just care about that stuff. I, I, Chris Ogden's son, Jerry, the basketball general manager for the University of Texas. Uh, this is from Nathan. Bo Ogden just tweeted he was offered by Texas. Uh, RPM, Jerry, he's at, is he at Westlake or is he at the, one of the private schools? There he's at one of the private schools. And, and I'm not even going to put in an RPM for this one. I don't want to put that much pressure on Chris Ogden. Yeah, I'm going to put it in for 100% Chris Ogden. oh boy oh good all right here we go uh jay the activist asks you what's up with weston davis the offensive tackle out of beaumont united yeah i think uh 
I think Texas will uh, see what happens later on in the season on that one. Just kind of hang out, see what happens later on in the season, see what happens with AM season. All right. Next one here. Oh, hey, there, there's, there's a silent commitment. Pull your ear three times. Hey, this one's from Zach Delgado, uh, Jerry. Is there anything for Texas with Nasir Wyatt? Um, you know, 2025 linebacker. There could be not a name we've heard to this point, but we'll be checking on him obviously. He's a guy Texas has offered, but anything movement there, nothing that we've heard substantial. Okay, next one. Uh, does one and three uh, start for Texas Tech affect Micah Hudson at all? He committed to him when they were one and two. I think he's. I think he's very happy. He's going to get 150 targets there. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, Jerry. All right, I, we'll get back to some other questions and thoughts. <laughs> hey, this one came in uh, from Rick Amberguy. Uh, Bobby Quinn now has a four to one TD interception ratio for his career. Wouldn't have guessed that. Maybe um, he doesn't throw a lot of picks. There. He doesn't no, throw he doesn't. a lot of interceptions. Right, right. You mentioned that. that early. He doesn't. He it's, it's never been really in his football character to throw a lot of. He's inconsistent at times, but not turnover prone. Got it. Okay. Somebody asked about class ranking. You don't have to pull up the question. On three right now is sixteen players that count in the class ranking. Um, I think that's a good number. It'll end up probably 20 to 21, counting in a class ranking. Right now it's 16. One of the reasons Texas is only 11th in the class ranking, they have 18 commitments. If you look at the uh, the 11 teams ahead of Texas, I haven't had a chance to go look at it now. They moved up five spots. I bet eight or nine of those have over 20 commitments right now. So two or three of those classes have 24, 25 commitments already. That's why Texas is 11. They'll keep moving up. Got it. All right, here we go. Uh, Brandon Huey, uh, Rod, wow. Vernon Broughton is better than Alfred Collins this year. Ooh. He's made more plays. I don't necessarily agree with that, and I'll yeah. tell you why. I'm going to say right. this. The very first play, the, the, the Jet Bush sack, okay? Go back and watch the Jet Bush sack. It is Alfred Collins that literally puts a hand into the chest of the Baylor offensive lineman that then shoves the guy, the guy in motion that was supposed to come back and uh, get get uh, Jet Bush, literally trips him so he can't even get to Jet Bush. So Jet Bush has a free run. Alfred Collins is playing really well. Later in the game, Alfred Collins made a play opposite him, five yards down the field, running full throttle. Alfred Collins is playing really, really well. Vernon Broughton is playing well, better than expected too. But I don't necessarily think better. Rod, what are your your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I was going to say that, you know, the guy that creates the play on defense doesn't always necessarily make the play. And Alfred Collins is creating a lot of plays. He's creating havoc. Uh, and so it's it's hard. I can go back and kind of watch all the snaps and go back in my notes and check. But I test alone, I'll say Alfred Collins is still, in my opinion, making creating more plays. Maybe Vernon Bryan has made more plays. Like you say, he's making more plays. Go back and watch. Just go watch every individual play of those guys. You'll see Alfred Collins, man. He's creating a lot of havoc on the defensive line. In the interior sometimes when they have them, you don't always, you know, see that, both of those guys. But I've been seeing him create a lot of uh, chaos on the interior. I agree. I think he's getting depth on his pass rush. Yeah. Uh, uh, Colin Simmons, the guys are pretty excited about this Brandon Baker commitment on Twitter. Uh Colin Simmons practice finna be so T V. Right. <laughs> hey Travis Earls, 
Can we acknowledge how disciplined this entire team is? We have the fewest amount of penalties, but the second fewest amount of penalty yards. Not sure. I I, I may have mistake, misunderstood that second part of it. The reality of it is they have been pretty disciplined, even on the road, guys. Yeah, yeah. definitely on the road. Like, on the road. Yeah, like that's a, that's that's the most impressive thing that they've galvanized and crystallized focus on the road. Like Jerry mentioned, it's been really impressive. That's leadership. Uh, that's leadership. Also, that's the I think the comfort and the familiarity with the system. They all know it now. There really is no excuse for pre-snap penalties, procedural penalties, and things of that nature. It's like you know the system now. At this point, you've been ingrained in it. You have veteran players, offensive lines, a veteran offensive line, skill position guys are all veterans, whether it be Jay Wood or X-Man or JT Sanders. So you really shouldn't have a lot of those penalties. And I'm glad that they, you know, they've been a disciplined football team for the most part all season. All right. Uh, I, 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 we had a question about Sadir Mitchell. About four people have asked during this. Uh, look, I, I think I think Sadir Mitchell will be a player next year. I, I I don't, Bobby. I don't know what you've heard, but I I, I hear that Texas likes Sadir. Uh, he, he's got to grow up, uh, meaning as a football player. You know, just just doing all the things it takes to be a hell of a player. Um, uh, but Texas really likes where Sadir Mitchell is headed long term. Uh, Hookem from OKC and Ken Crockett both have a very similar question, guys. Uh, will Anthony Hill play a similar role against Kansas as he did against Bama, or will it be Mo Blackwell? And they're talking about that spy role yeah. uh, that we saw mm-hmm. quite a bit. I I don't know about y'all, but I see that Pete Kwiatkowski, the way he attacks teams is not any one specific way. Exactly. He has two or three ideas in a game plan that he likes to switch between. I'm exactly. sure he's going to try to do that against Kansas as well, right? Totally agree. You got to, you know, for a good quarterback, especially like, uh, you know, you're talking about Jalen Daniels, you want to make him have to process down to down situation, situation, exactly who's going to be the spy on them. uh, If there's a spy, if there's pressure blitz. So you want to make sure you're throwing a lot of different looks, a lot of different coverages, a lot of pressure packages at them. So yeah, I, I think Anthony Hill will play a lot of different roles. He will play that role at times. But I think he'll play a lot of different roles. And yes, you got Bo Blackwell. So now you got another option that you can throw in there too. And I saw him play early in the Baylor game. Uh, PK's doing a really good job. I think PK's going to have a really good game plan for Jalen Daniels in this matchup. But uh, Jalen Daniels is going to make some plays outside the structure of the offense. That's what I. That's what I really want to see is when the play breaks down. I think Texas actually is going to collapse the pocket a lot when they try to have a traditional passing game, which they may decide to avoid altogether. They may move the pocket. They may decide to go tons of RPOs. Uh, they may decide to go with kind of the non-traditional passing game uh, so they don't have to have Jalen Daniels dropping back against his D-line. Yeah. I, I, my, my thought on that and my thought is um, Jalen Milrow, they're so different as runners. I think Jalen Milrow scared the P out of you because he could go seven. Right. No, he can go uh, 80. Yeah, I agree. So Jalen Daniels is more like he's more like a running back. He's more of a vision guy. He's not going to overwhelm you with quickness and burst of speed. He's going to be a patient guy that kind of weaves and kind of reads things like a running back. So Milro gets outside the pocket, outside the tackles, and you're like, uh-oh. Daniels isn't like that. So I don't know if Texas will have to defense in the same way. Rob, what you said earlier about Aranda with the ends playing so wide, does that negate the screen game a little bit? 
They could, yeah. Unless they can go interior screens, right? Then you go back to running backs inside or your tight ends inside, those type of screens. But you're right. In terms of the, the screens to the perimeter, that would negate them because you have athletic yeah. ends. That can so if, you're really have a- if, you, if you're really good up front at D-tackle and you can play your ends wide, yeah. you can negate the wide receiver screen game a little bit, which is interesting part of the chess match in football. Yeah. Hey, Rod, I want you to go back and watch third quarter play by Anthony Hill. Um, he he smothers a little small dump down to the running back, and, and it's just one of those plays. Also, Ethan Burke in the screen game uh, on a dump down. He They recognize screens so well. I remember that, this. That group. Yeah. yeah. I want to say Anthony Hill was coming on like a twist or a stunt. Yes. And then he like, right, and he pulls up, he sees it, and pulls up and tackles. I, I remember that play. It's a great play. Yeah, great play. I, I was like – I literally stopped the stopped it today on the V uh, the DVR and I, yeah. I was like normal humans don't make that play because they do don't see it? see it. How do you exactly how do you see it? You just how do you even see it? But he, I think um, I think boy he felt it because he's just football instincts. I don't know if he just saw it and kind of felt it, but it was it right. It was it was quick, fast. Yeah. And and the other thing about Anthony Hill, he hits people, they go down. <laughs> there was not right. I mean, we're yeah. used to. We, we talk about Jalen Ford squaring up better and, t- and tackling better. They are tackling better as a team. They're, there's fewer yards after contact in the box right now and on the perimeter. Now, maybe not downfield. Downfield's a different story because there's been some calamities in the secondary. But on the edges and in the middle of the field, there has not been a lot of yards after contact against Texas this year. Cat- I think Catalan, that's a, sneaky, a yeah. sneaky thing. Catalan helps that. Jade Barron helps that. You're right. I agree with you. All right. Hey, uh, real quick here, Grant Thompson. Hey, Rod, what was your favorite Baylor touchdown from last night? Yeah. Baylor, Baylor touchdown? touchdown? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I, had, I had to ask. Right, we got time for a couple more here. Uh, Brandon Baker is committed to Texas. Uh, the five-star offensive tackle out of Santa Ana Modern Day. Uh, congratulations to him and his family. Uh, we got a couple time, time for a couple more questions before we get going. Uh, Here's one for you guys from Texas, boy. We covered this about an hour ago now when we started this. Are you all surprised by the 17 and a half point spread? Man, I I really, really am. You know, tell me why I shouldn't be Rod or Jerry. One of the two. It seems like a sucker's bet spread early, but I'm not a better. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm not a huge better, but I can say this is, I'll be devil's advocate. I think if you look at Texas in three of the four games, take the Baylor game out of, they play tight games relatively with all those teams. And then they've had a spurt where they go thermonuclear and for like five to eight minutes, whatever that span is, they score three touchdowns. Their opponent scores zero touchdowns in that time span and they blow the game wide open. And I think that may be what happens in this game where it could be a tight game for two and a half quarters Texas for that six to eight minutes scores three touchdowns. Kansas scores maybe one touchdown, and then the game's blown wide open. Like Bobby said, though, Kansas they can score fast too. But that's what we're talking about with Texas defense. If that Texas defense is a defense that is truly an elite defense, then they'll rise to the occasion and they'll be able to to stonewall Kansas for at least four to five straight drives at one point, and then Texas can put the game out of reach offensively. That's kind of what I see. That could be all. Yeah, uh, here's a question for us from Fresh Prince. I think there's some real football que- character on this roster. I listen to quotes from guys like Ford, and I observe body language of young guys like Muhammad and Baxter. 
really good mental evals of the staff. Jerry, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, look, Muhammad was a two-time state champion, him and Billy Walton. Uh, Jonathan Brooks has shown winner's DNA from a kid who carried Hallettsville to a state championship game and played Tilly Cramp. I mean, that, that stuff's like, you know, that stuff's not easy that Jonathan Brooks did. Uh, when you're carrying a small town like that, um, that wouldn't be there without you. And, and you'll play safety and you'll play till you cramp. But, yes, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that has impressed me, has me so excited about the 2023 class. Not that I'm not about 2022, I am. That 22 class is, to me was more of a developmental class, especially on the D-line with guys like Ethan Burke, Jare Bledsoe, Jamon Tapp, some of those guys, Chris Ross. If Texas maximized two or three of those guys, that class was going to look really, really good. This 23 class of guys, there's a lot of really highly ranked guys. But they I've heard nothing, Bobby's heard nothing, that they've come in and worked like a five-star. They've worked like a three-star with something to prove still. And then the NIL day and age, that's not always going to be the case. So I mm -hmm. think it's strong. I think then, you, you know, look, Derek Williams wasn't an early enrollee. Look at what he's done. What have we heard from Jelani about Jelani McDonald, Warren Roberson behind the scenes, right? Somebody asked about the Aaron Gillette. We're getting so much. Trevor Gooseby came in as exceeded expectations to where he's got some second team left tackle reps, right? Um, so this, this, this class in 23 has me excited because I think the DNA in this class. And I think they're coming in at the right time, guys. One of my big things in recruiting on my, my soapbox in recruiting, and I don't know if Rod's ever heard this before, but what I really like about the 22 and 23 class, these guys are coming in to help build it. Um, it's the 25, 26, 27 classes that the, the mental evals have to be tremendous uh, once again by Texas because if Texas goes on, and I'm not even saying goes and wins a national title, if they just – win the Big 12, get to a college football playoff type of season this year, what happens is those next groups kind of come in and expect it to happen in recruiting, right? That's what Nick Saban's battled better than anybody over a 15-year period of time. Uh, but right now, what I love about these 22 and 23 classes, they're the builders. Um, and I think this 23 class has a lot of winner's DNA in it. Yeah, I think Sark has done a good job. I think it may be harder than ever, right, to just recruit because of transfer portal, NIL. You're talking to recruit football character, um, and I think that's hard to judge and determine in the new age of college football we live in. I still think there are two types of Texas football players, always have been, always will be. Um, you know, guys who come to play for Texas and guys who come to play at Texas. <laughs> and you can you can be, you know, you can be one and then end up evolving into the other, but you want guys who come to play for Texas, right? That yeah. they want to, they, they, they think about what they can do for the brand and not what the brand can do for them. It's like the old JFK quote, right? Uh, ask not what you could ask not what the country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. You know, don't ask what Texas can do for you, but what you can do for Texas in the NIL world. Everybody wants to know, Hey, what, what can Texas do for me? Texas can do a lot for you. Trust me. It did a lot for me, <laughs> right? It can do a lot for you, but you want guys who have that DNA, that character, like, like the Rojo, right? Like Rojo was all about, Hey man, how can I leave this program better than I found it? How can I how can I up help you know improve and how can I help upgrade this program, take it to the next level, and all the other benefits that come with being you know a member of that that brotherhood? You'll get that. That's gonna come, but you got to make sure that the brand 
is taken care of. The brand is back to the respected and feared brand that it should be in college sports. And it seems like these guys, they, they get that, that they, they're here to play for Texas. You have more of those guys than the guys that are here to play at Texas who just want, you know, the, they, they want the clicks and the likes and they want to go to ACL and South by Southwest and they want to go to right school, a really cool oh, place. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's all cool, but you still need to understand the mission, which is to play for Texas. I want to say this. It's not just – I agree with what, what you all are getting at here, the mental evals and, and the four Texas and all this other stuff. You can play for yourself and be playing for Texas at the same time. Yes, agree. That That's – like I, I go back to this. You want to talk about a great locker room culture back in when I was growing up was Miami. Yeah. And people remember this. Those guys were policing themselves. They were mm – -hmm. And I know this out, but you look at Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Dan Morgan. I mean, good. Edgerin James, Clinton. I mean, Sean Taylor. I mean, go down the list. And there were great players who went to Miami, not because they of what Miami could do for them, but what they could do together, yeah. in my opinion. And so, uh, and I know that's going to sound bad, but that's why they were the dominant force of the 1990s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. by that far, doesn't sound bad at all. No, no, D Bobby, you play for the name on the front of the jersey and the name on the back of the jersey. That's my family name. That's my name. That's hey, that's part of me. But the name on the front of the jersey, that's Texas too. So I, play, it, it, I agree with you, no doubt. To tie, to tie that up and to tie it up with a bow, if you play for the name on the front of the jersey, the name on the back of the jersey wins a lot of awards. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. Brother. Hey, I, mean, I want to be real, guys. I want to end it with uh, this that. one, uh, Rick Amberguy. Is this the most positionally versatile Texas team you've mm. seen? It, that's interesting because you look at guys yeah. on defense like Mo Blackwell, Jet Bush, uh, Ethan Burke, uh, maybe Jade Barron, and, and then even the, the running Alfred back, Collins, Williams, Savion Red, Jordan yeah. Whittington could play a little running back if he needed to. Hey, everybody Everybody knows who's been listening to me for the last five years, how I feel about positionless football. I think it's the future of football. You ain't got a major in it like Kyle Shanahan or Dan Quinn, but everybody should dabble in it. And I think Sark it wants to dabble in it just a little bit. I think PK, if you're a football theorist and every coach should be uh, just a little bit, be a student of the game, and then you're just, you know, you're – learning the game and you're, you know, obviously studying the game at every level, then you're seeing these types of positionless football players, whether it be uh, at, at Colorado with Travis Hunter or whether it be the NFL with Devo Samuel, you're seeing these guys start to break through. And I think, you know, all types of really, um, I would say innovative coaches are starting to see if they can specifically identify those skill sets. And Sark has identified a few of them. So it's PK. All right. Hey, I, I fibbed a little bit. I've got two more for you. This is first one's from Jason Renfro. Are y'all excited for the renewal of rivalry with Texas A&M? Uh, Jason, thanks for your super chat. I think everybody is, right? Yes, because here's the thing. Part of the reason it's been so easy for kids to just walk out of the state of Texas is because this game went away. There hasn't been a marquee event. There hasn't been a marquee event. I mean – this 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 rivalry stopping for a decade, I think, has really helped out-of-state schools recruiting in Texas. Uh, and, and I really believe that because the one thing 
that when you went around to the state of Texas when I was growing up in this business, Rod and all those guys, every year it was talked about Texas, Texas A&M. You know, look, I was just down at Florabama last night uh, for some college football before the Texas game. Everybody in there is cheering against Alabama. Auburn, Ole Miss, every Tennessee, everybody. We haven't had that, man. I mean, like that Auburn hating Alabama in every game mattering hasn't mattered as much for the last decade. Now it's the AM Texas rivalries back, but every one of those games they play is back because it's going to be common opponents. And, and it's going to help recruiting in this state. I firmly believe that, guys. All right, Jerry, this last one's for you. Matt Matt uh, texted me during this segment and said, whenever the serious conversation is over, let me know so I can throw this poll up for Jerry. Nice. Okay. Matt, uh, I am officially letting you know that you can throw this poll up for Jerry Hamilton. <laughs> Nobody wants to see me twerk. If I tore to the camera, I'd be forever single, and I don't want to be forever single. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Jerry on that one. We can't have Jerry twerking. He's no, no. grown man can't no. twerk. No, can't happen. No, no. don't need to see no. it. No. Uh, all right, guys. No. Don't do it's it. It's been good. It's been a fun Sunday night uh, <laughs> live stream presented by the guys at Cross Oak Group. Uh, remember, uh, Cross Oak Group uh, is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Gross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their sponsorship. Rod, Jerry, thank you all so much. Congratulations to young Brandon Baker, the newest Longhorn uh, Baker commits to Texas over Oregon, Ohio State, Nebraska, etc. Uh, for Rod and Jerry, I'm Bobby Burton. And this has been the Sunday Night Longhorn Livestream. Hook up. Hook em.